It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, I'm Neil Anderson, and welcome to my podcast. This is Return to Real, Honest Health and Fitness, and today my guest is John Abzi. You might not know that name. Well, by now you do. But you remember the Jazz Bear, the Hall of Fame Jazz Bear. And I've been excited to talk to you for so long. Here's why. So I'm talking to Jan. Jan got me tickets. Clay got me tickets one time. I used to train the jazz dancers. And they got me tickets one time. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching you. And all of a sudden, this flash goes streaking down my left side. You were right there. And you were on a sled. And the thing went flying down, hit a little bump, went down, and you wrecked hard at the bottom. Hard. Like, I was like, there's no way a real human's going to survive this. And I run down to Jan. And I'm like, that guy must be a beast. And she nods at me. Jan Whitaker nods at me and goes, that guy's a beast. Oh, From that second, well, now that you've seen me, you know I'm dude, not. You are a beast. You're no. ripped, and we're going to get into that. I'm going to find out how you work out. But I'm so honored to have you here. Oh my, uh, Neil! Seriously, I've known you forever. Um, I, I mean, I got a story about you. Is, is I think it's funny that when I would be standing out there getting ready to go on the floor, and I could see and hear the dancers talking about the workout you put them through <laughs> the night before, and how sore their legs were, and they're like, "I don't know if we can finish the dance. My legs are so wore out." And I was having them was do awesome. these backwards bear crawls up the stadium one time so they started at the bottom of the floor and they were backward bear crawling up the stadium i I made them go all the way to the top and they're all saying if john can do this coming down at 50 we can do it going up hardly at all like you're you're one of my idols you really do keep in shape and i've always wanted to sit and pick your mind and find out how in the world a person like gets fit enough to do some of the stuff i saw you do i couldn't even have climbed that ladder let alone sat up there and done a handstand. This unbelievable stuff. How much do I owe you? How, hey, people, everybody in the studio, how much do I owe Neil for They're all this nice stuff? I'm look, I'm just saying the stuff that everybody else is saying out there. When I tell people that you were coming on, they were like, um, what about this story? And what about this story? And what about this story? And I was a little worried about having you on because every time I've ever talked to you, you've never broken character. Ever. Yeah. Every time I've been, like the first time I ever met you, we were at Two News. And you were doing a thing at Two News, and you had you had something wrong with your back, and you were pointing to your back. I'm like, just tell me, dude. Like, <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> do you remember? I, it was we were outside. You yeah. guys used to do that little yeah with, that fitness uh, thing with Kara. Kara. Yep. Yeah. Um, yep. We used. I remember that outside on the on the sidewalk there, and I I had jacked up my back. I just had back surgery. I had a, a hernia a herniated disc. Okay. So I was just like, um, <laughs> I just had surgery. My back's jacked. Yeah. And Jan was telling me that you were still doing the stunts. Yeah. That was that's amazing. Let's let's talk about all of the fitness stuff in a minute. But take me back. Okay. Tell me, how does one get into this line of work? Like, how do you even know a you're going to be the jazz bear or a mascot? And B, how do you know what to do? Start start go back. How did, how did you become the jazz bear? It, it, totally by accident. Um, honestly, I shouldn't be here. Uh, I, I I was. Basically, okay, if you want to go back. So I, I was uh, a little farm boy up in Minnesota uh, in the uh, northwest corner. It's called East Grand Forks, Minnesota. And, you know, came from a little town. Um, grew up on a farm, like I said. But uh, I was going to school at Moorhead State University in, in Moorhead, Minnesota. And I was dating a girl at the time that was a gymnast at the Fargo-Moorhead Acro team. And... um there was a CBA team back when it was the CBA and not the G League. And they came to okay, town. To say the acronym. So it's I'm a, sorry, I'm sorry, CBA, CBA, Continental Basketball Association. Sorry. No, no worries. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and then, so it was a Continental Basketball Association. They showed up at the gym and they asked if there was anybody there that would be willing to be a mascot. And um, I was the only one that was willing to do it because I was, well, one, the only guy. And two, it was 25 bucks. <laughs> because, you know, I mean, I was, it was in college and, uh, yeah. you know, I know I'm older than everybody in here, but barely. back then. You barely got me. How much? How old are you? What's that? I, I turned 50 this year. I just turned 52. Yeah. Okay, we were in high good. school you, together. Well, you look way better than, than oh, me quit at 50. It. But it, uh, 
so I, I did it and, and it was it was fun. But then halfway through the season, I got I got fired because I was doing all my stunts. I was jump, bungee jumping out of the ceiling and I was sledding down the stairs and and I was doing all that. And they thought I was either going to kill myself or kill a fan. And they they were just like, dude, we you know you're way over the top. But then, so I was like, I don't care. I mean, it was 25 bucks. Why? Like what gave you the idea to do stuff like that? I've never seen that stuff before you. I've never seen it done by mascot. And I, I paid attention to sports. I, cause like growing up, I mean, all I wanted to do was thrill seek. Like I used to jump trains, freight trains heading out of town and ride them to the next city. You know you what I mean? Jump on a freight train. Freight train. And it was, I mean, that was fun. That was our evening, me and a couple friends. You, you know? know, there's nobody listening to this that will say, that sounds strange for that guy. <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't well, believe it. Is, it. No. And if I said it. I mean, so I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, like on the farm, I would, I was always, you know, driving a tractor or racing the trucks out in the field or climbing on top of the house for absolutely no reason other than just to climb high. And I mean, it was, I, that's all I did was look for an adrenaline rush and, when I got the job, I was all of a sudden just given this free card to just do whatever you want. And I had this arena to do it in. And it was it was so fun to sit there and go, well, what if I took a sled down here? What if I came out of the ceiling? What if I did a big pendulum swing? It was so fun. And it was fun to, to, to do the skit or the stunt. And when I pulled it off, if I pulled it off back then... And be able to just say, I lived, <laughs> you know, move it on. What's next? You What's know? next? How can I so, scare uh, more people? Yeah, I did that. And then I went back. I was, cause the thing that's kind of classical is I, I was going to school to be an attorney. I was, I was going to school for political science with pre-law and, uh, and made bad, some bad choices. <laughs> I ended up being a mascot, but <laughs> well, I just wasn't smart enough. But son, the, you don't want to end up like that. <laughs> but, uh, a team up in Winnipeg, Manitoba with the NBL, which is the national basketball league. And who at the time, Tom Naselke, God bless his soul, I love that man, was the commissioner up there. Do you remember Tom? No, I'm sorry. He, not, he not was the old honest. Utah jazz coach um, oh. back in the, I think, like early 80s, oh. something like that. And he was up there. He was the commissioner. And uh, I got a call. I was sitting in my dorm room, and I get a call, and, and it was from uh, Kevin Moore. And it's crazy that I remember that name after 27 years. But he just goes, uh, hey, we had a scout down in Fargo and he saw the stuff you were doing and we just saw in the paper that because it hit the paper and it was on the news that's how much and, and which was really weird to just be able to go through half a season but to have that much noticed or to be to be noticed that I was done does that make sense yeah. so anyway he just said the stuff you were doing is the stuff we're looking for so they brought me up to Winnipeg and I did that as my summer job, and it was a substantially increase in pay. More than the 25 bucks. <laughs> 25 bucks. So it was awesome. So I had a great summer job. I worked up at the Winnipeg Jet Arena. But the, uh, the, th <laughs> the thing is, and this is where I found out that I have one amazing guardian angel. I mean, because I can count three stories or three times on, on, on right now about how I should have died up in Winnipeg. And because they had no rules, like it was crazy. Like there were no rules and nobody, they were just like, do whatever you want. If I went out there with dynamite and blew myself up, they'd have been, that, that was great. <laughs> I'm ready to hear one. It, What's no, one so, of the ones that should have killed you? No, so I used to run upstairs and I'd, <laughs> I'd hook up my own ropes and I'd all, and I was by myself, which is just so unheard of to, to repel. You know, you always have somebody to check your equipment. And I ran up and I had this head where I looked out the mouth and I was late. And usually when I got up there, I had enough time to take my head off, hook in, check my own equipment. And I basically straddled this two and a half, three foot gap and I, and it was in the arena. So it'd be just, it was just like the Delta center or geez, how, how old I is still that? Say That's it. funny. I still say it. The Vivian arena. But, uh, um, so it was about 120 feet. And I remember I was standing there waiting for the intro music and it, this voice in my head kept saying, don't go. There's something wrong. There's something wrong. And I sat there and I was like, why do I feel like I'm off to the right a little bit? You know, because I'd done it so much, which was thankful. And, you know, it's kind of the muscle memory. Yeah. I was just off six inches and it, it was killing me. And my intro music started and I literally got up on my toes to bring my feet in and go down. And I didn't do it. And I was like, ah, and I threw my head off and I, I realized I hooked into a cargo strap, which holds about 15 pounds. Wow. So I'd have just fell. And cause it would have broke the second the tension hit it. And then another time and, uh, it was me and the dance team and we were doing, I'm trying to remember. Oh, Phantom of the Opera is the name of it. 
So I had this, you know, the half face and the tux, and I thought it would be a cool idea if we ziplined in from the uh, spotlight stand way up in the in the arena. And we, I went and we got this cable and we string it, and I, I practiced myself, and it worked good. I could get down to the floor, and then I thought, okay, well, we should run through it with a dancer. So we got up on a 12-foot ladder, and she just basically wrapped her legs around me and held on to me, and we went down on the 12-foot ladder, and... And we got to the floor and I said, well, I can hold her and, you know, everything feels pretty good. Um, so <laughs> we get up to the spotlight stand the night of the game. And what it was, it's called a lanyard. And it's just basically a rope with two clips. And what I would do is I would spin the lanyard so it would tighten down on my wrist. And then I would squeeze that rope and it would just keep my, my hand inside. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Sorry. So then we were sitting up on the spotlight stand. And we're getting ready to go. She wraps herself around me. She's not hooked into anything. She's crazy. Yes, mind you, nothing. And I'm standing there with my hand in the in the lanyard, and the music kicks in, and I grab her, and we start to go. And everything was going good until all of a sudden the realization that I started to unwind because of how it was wrapped. So as it's unwinding, no. it's loosening on my wrist. And all I remember, and I still, I mean, it's so vivid to this day, and it actually gives me goosebumps. Because I remember going down, and the only thing in my head was, I'm not letting her die. And that's all I cared about. I was like, I am not letting this <laughs> poor girl die because of my stupidity. <laughs> it was crazy anyway to get up there so, with you. Yeah, but I mean, so anyway, God bless her soul. She was awesome. But we were going down, and I remember screaming the whole way down because it had finally unwound on the way down and it took everything in me to just hold that rope together. You know what I mean? So that my wrist didn't slide out. We hit the floor. She runs over. She does her dance and I just collapsed. It was so funny. Yeah, she didn't know. She didn't realize there was anything going on. She she afterwards said, I could hear you screaming, but she goes, I thought it just meant like you were having fun. (laughs) I was just like, no. I was like, you almost died. So, I just remember collapsing on the floor and I just laid there and I was almost in tears. I actually, I think I did cry a little bit because I was so just overwhelmed with, I almost killed somebody and myself and it, it was, so there was another one. That makes me nervous. Like I got nervous. a cold sweat from that. <laughs> That's unbelievable. You so. must have a ton of stories like that. We're going to get into those. Like you, so you were a mascot up there. Yeah. Oh, and then you were almost killing yourself. So yeah. Almost so, killing other people. Yep. And well, I mean, I wasn't trying, but it was, it was all in the good spirit of fun. Did you, did you have any experience in in like repelling in that? Like, how did you know, how'd you know to do that stuff? Did you, did you have to call people and be like, okay, show me how to do this? I really did. Yeah. So that people would come and show me some stuff. And then, and and that's where, so then this is where I actually started learning a little bit more about repelling and roping and, and how to, you know, attach stuff, um, with my, my, uh, attachment points or whatever. But so, you know, that, that I was working at Fargo-Moorhead Acro Team when I came back from Winnipeg. And that's when I was, I started rock climbing with a guy named Mark Stregge, who was amazing. He was, I got a story about him too. He was like sitting there one time. I walked in the gym and I thought I made enough noise for him to hear me, but I could still see him sitting on the tramp. And I snuck up on him and scared him. And I didn't realize, but he was in beta rhythm. Have you heard of that? Like he got his heart meditation. into Yeah. You, you go way down, way down. and you help re, it's recovery. It's meditation. And it's, centering. it's like 11 o'clock at night. He's on this trampoline and it's semi dark in the gym. I scare him. And he literally didn't even jump. He, he looked at me like he had just woken up from a nap and he's just like, Oh, what are you doing? And, and his, he said his heart rate was at like 40, you know, he just got in such this meditative state. It was so cool, but he was a great guy and he showed me how to repel and all this other stuff. And then I was still at school and, um, a team out in Sioux Falls, South Dakota called and they said, uh, we saw you up in Winnipeg. Would you like to come down for tryouts? And I said, that'd be great. So I put together a tape. This is the first time that I was able to put pictures and tapes together. Went down to Sioux Falls. They were telling me about the five guys that wanted to try out for the thing or for the, for the job. And then, um, uh, his name was Tom Welsh, and he, he was amazing. And then there was, uh, uh, oh my lord, I just I just saw him on fa- on Facebook Messenger, and I said hello to him. But he, he these owners, and they were amazing owners. They were so good. But I remember Tom Welsh. I went into his office. We sat down. I showed him the videotape, and he hired me right there. And it was just so cool. It was just like really, you know, because back then I didn't realize what I was doing was working. It was just a job, you know. It was like a part time yeah, job. Especially going to school. since you got fired for it exactly just a couple of years ago. So uh, they hired me there. I went down to Sioux Falls and I worked there for a year. 
Um, and then that's when I met uh, the Phoenix Gorilla. And he came in to do a show. And that's the first time I realized that that mascoting was a, a career, that you could actually do it for a living. And I talked to him about it, and he made a great living. And I decided to send out resumes to all of the teams. And I got a call from Sacramento, Seattle, and Utah. They said they were having tryouts here in Utah, a three-team tryout. And one of the teams, you know, I could go with one of the teams, but they had 10 people trying out. And uh, I remember the funny story with that. So we get here. It was the tryouts were at Westminster College. And uh, I remember I came with my fiance, Shauna, and I, I was at the time, I mean, just like I used to do here. I was, thank you very much, Neil. I appreciate the adjustment on that. The, uh, I used to blow up this huge 40-inch balloon with confetti. And I remember I got there and I kept asking everybody, I go, is, is there like a ball pump or anything like that? And they didn't have anything. So I this, <laughs> you know, somebody loves you when you're just like, um, can you blow no this up? <laughs> and like literally for about two hours, she, I'd look out there and she'd wow. just be blowing on this thing. But um, they, uh, Alinko Costumes, where I'm actually working right now, um, they're the ones who made the gorilla costume, the original gorilla. And they, they're the ones who made my costume. And they brought uh, three gorilla costumes for everybody to wear. Well, there was only really like one that fit everybody, uh, the head anyway. And um, when we drew straws, I drew dead last. So everybody's out doing their stuff and they're, they're doing their tryouts and it was my turn and I'm last. And um, I, I put the head on and when I cinched it, there was a foam pad in the front and it was like somebody just wrung it out down my face. Oh. And it was... Nine other people sweat rolling oh. down my face, but I remember dry heaving, throwing it off. <laughs> I was and then trying to dry it out, but and then I have, having to, I have to play this out for everybody. So just before we went on, we were talking about the insides of certain helmets, yep. like certain heads that you were talking about, and this one had so much black mold in it, you guys wouldn't even repair it, right? And so that's why you heard my stomach actual rumble when you said, <laughs> <laughs> "Dude, it's bad," and, and it's it's usually, and I hate to say it, I'm not throwing anybody under the bus, but the college. Uh, mascots because they don't they don't they they use them throw them in a bag and forget about them right. they don't let them air out and dry and they get so much black mold and they get so nasty smelling it's it's not good it's bad but um but so yeah, she no. blows up the bloom for you yep so we You're did the tryouts. tryouts you got this sweat of other people <clears throat> running down your head yep and then i uh i left didn't think i'd get it because there were so many good guys there was what did a guy you do do you remember what you did what your yep. kind of thing was? i remember i slid down that they didn't have stairs so they had bleachers so i thought well what the hell or heck i'll just try it i'm gonna slid down the <laughs> stairs so i slid down the the bleacher stairs whatever and skinned every i mean my shin from my knee to my ankle was just down to the bone I, I shaved it all off and then oh. i went up onto a balcony if you've been to westminster they have this balcony yeah and i did a front flip off of that and landed onto a mat and then i dunked i did a dance routine i did a skit and then i tumbled because back then i could actually tumble so i did a just a round off flip flop back tuck and but i was like i was one of those guys that i was just okay at things does that make sense at pretty much everything but then there was Farmer's like kid. I was a farmer's kid, yeah. <laughs> but like there was a guy from ASU. He was a gymnast, and he was an amazing tumbler. I could hear him up on the floor, just boom, 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 yeah. back flipping and back, you know, doing back handsprings. And then there was Eli Akins, who ended up actually going with the uh, Globetrotters. Um, but he could hit the trampoline and grab the top of the, gra uh, the glass. Wow. It was amazing. And then there were a couple other guys that were excellent dancers or tumblers, but everybody was like so good. But they were only really good at one thing. And I was literally the only mascot that, because they gave us a sheet of paper that said, we'd like you to, to dance, tumble, do an in-crowd interaction, a stunt, and a skit. And I was the only one that did it. Everybody else just did their strong points. So that helped. But I still left thinking, there's no way, you know, that this is going to happen. So I went home, and I got a call back from Grant Harrison, and he said, hey, we're going to have tryouts uh, or not trials. We're going to have second tryouts here again. And, uh, we'd love for you to come back. And I was like, no way. That's, that's pretty awesome. So, um, I hopped in the plane, flew back out, did tryouts. It was me. And his name is Greg Holton. He used to be icy. Do you remember the Salt Lake uh, Eagles yeah. back in the day? Yeah. He was amazing. Like my idol. He, he was amazing mascot. He was so funny. And, uh, I seriously was like, well, if I don't lose to him, I'm going to lose to Eli because he can dunk out of the gym. And I knew back then that's when the gorilla started dunking. Mm -hmm. And that's what was really starting to pick up were mascots I could dunk. 
and uh, we did tryouts, and uh, I left and went home. Didn't think anything of it. Was still going to school. Matter of fact, I was in the military. I think just before then, I was just finishing up my National Guard, my uh, six years, so mm-hmm. to speak. And just before all that, I was in Desert Storm. If you didn't know that, I didn't know. Yep. And then, so there's. I'm just. I'm skipping over a lot of stuff. <laughs> so, I'm following. You were all right. So uh, no. So um, I finally get a call about two weeks later. And it was Grant. Well, I take that back. So I got a call from Sacramento and I got a call from Seattle and from Grant early on, early on. And I never called anybody at anybody back. So then about two weeks later, because in my head, why well, I was too you, afraid. You didn't call him back. I was afraid I, I can, you know, you can jump off a 200 foot ceiling, but I was afraid to move. I was a small what? town farm boy. Wow. Yeah. So I didn't call anybody back. And Grant Harrison is the one that called me. And he goes, hey, did you take a job with any of the other teams? I said, no. And he's like, well, <laughs> you could tell in his voice. He's like, well, you know, so what are you doing? And I yeah, said, I don't know, Grant. Know, Grant. He, he I go, I say it just like that, too. What are you? What are you yeah, thinking? you know, Grant. And, yeah. and I was just like, well, I, I'm not sure. I go, uh, I'm really not sure what to do. And, and he just goes, well, why don't you come out to Utah? And literally, I was just like, OK. So he hired you right yep, there on the phone. Right there on the phone. Outstanding. So and then here I be. And I told my, it's funny, my fiance, my wife now, but when I left, I told her to stay. I go, just stay here, finish up your schooling and I'll move out. And I go, I'll be back in a year. This ain't going to last. And here I'd be 25 years later. So what's the, the secret? What's the secret to longevity in that, in that arena? Like, what do you, what do you got to do to top some of that stuff? Well, I mean, what was your plan? Like you came out here to Utah. You were a little scared anyway. Did you have a plan where you're like, I'm, I want to do this and I want to do no. this and I want to do this. Do you like this. that? I use tech. <laughs> heck no no I, I didn't have a plan you know the best thing that i can say is like that for a mascot is you, you can't really learn to be a mascot does that make sense no see that blows my mind i'm a, I'm a fitness guy and so everything's got to line up I, yeah. I can't flow with that the 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 guys that i know like rocky out in denver the gorilla you know, matter of fact, out in my truck right now is the Portland Trailblazers mascot. He's sleeping. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> but I mean, all these guys, that they, they, they didn't come in and, and like learn how to be a mascot. They just have that personality. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I know so many people that come in, they want to be a mascot and they might be athletic, but you can't uh, teach them how to interact or how to be spontaneous. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's my favorite part about watching you. Like the stunts were amazing; they blew my mind. And I was always like, I couldn't believe the physicality. Right? I couldn't. I would think, was this guy like a a gymnast? How in the how's he doing this? Um, But the parts that everybody likes the best, everybody that I've talked to that I said I was going to come and and interview you, they all have some personal connection with you. Every one of them. Well, the jazz bear did this to me this one time. One time he threw this on me. One time I was sitting there when he threw some stuff on another guy and it got on me. Like he he talked to me. He hugged me. He he dipped me one time like I was dancing. (laughs) Like I can't believe how many people have a story about you. And that's – is that kind of what you're talking about? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's just – it's hard, and, and I know what you're saying, but it's 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 hard to teach. It's hard to teach that extroverted self. You know what I mean? Like if Are you he, met the Phoenix Gorilla, yeah, um, and I'd say his name, but he's still doing it. So he is so like when I first met him, I had the same feeling. I was like, really, you're the gorilla because he's so mellow and just so down to earth. But the second he puts that suit on, it's like a switch changes or a switch hits. And he is just a completely different person. Is that how it is with you? No, <laughs> you're not. You're outgoing in real life too. That's, I think what was really nice about my character is, um, a lot of other characters try to act while they're in suit. Does that make sense? Yeah. I was just me. I just, I put it on. I walked like I walk, like, I mean, the walk was the same. I mean, I, I just, I just did the stuff in my head was things that everybody thinks about doing, but can't, but with that suit, you get like that. Oh, carte blanche. You can do it. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know how to explain it, man. I, I just, I loved what I was doing and I loved the fans and I loved being able to interact with them. And I loved that team feel. Cause like, you know, I, I played team sports in, in high school. It wasn't very good. I just mediocre kid. But the military was where I really learned it was I, I love that band of brothers feel. You know, I love the team uh, aspect of it. So when I was here, Jerry Sloan was just so amazing to like 
I, I had full access to the locker room. I was able to go in before, after, during, um, full access to the doctors, to the players. I mean, it was like I was part of the team. So, like, I really took it to heart that I, I want to go out there and help the team win. And that's what uh, I really think helped me. It, it like, pushed me through it. If if it would have been closed door and you're just the mascot and, you know, stay in your lane, that it would have been a tough, tough gig. But the fact that, like, everybody was so accepting, you know, I mean, Jerry Sloan is a is he's he's a pretty hard nosed guy back then. And he scared me to death. But yeah. the nicest guy, like so down to earth when you really talk to him and and for him to let me come in the locker room, you know, a clown, which I got a great story about, that one, but to let me come in and he trusted me in the locker room. Um, meant a ton to me and I didn't want to break that or wreck it. And what I wanted to do was make sure that I was an asset to the team instead of just, you know, some character that put a suit on. Does that make sense? I wanted to be out there saying, you know what? I I want to be that six man. I want to make sure that this crowd is into it and we're going to help the team because I was so, I I just love the jazz that much, the team that much. Yeah. I I loved Coach Sloan. I used to train him and his wife. Oh, really? Yeah. That's awesome. And I was always, I'd be walking around the track with him or I'd be lifting with him and stuff. This is back when they were over at Franklin Covey. Yep. And um, I I remember thinking, there's no way this is, this guy is Coach Sloan. Like the guy that you're, he was so mellow. He Mm -hmm. was so kind. He was so loving. He truly was just a a sweet man. And and Bobby was was awesome too. It was fun to train those two. And intimidating at the same time that was the point the point was at first when i was very first thinking about oh my gosh this is jerry sloan yep i was intimidated but the second you meet him you're not intimidated anymore he was cool he oh was really cool. see i always was intimidated <laughs> well, often like when it was off uh, it wasn't it, there was no basketball going on there was nothing going on it was just him and his wife they're training in the gym cool super That's cool awesome. just just i'm a farmer he's an old yep. farmer so we had a lot to kind of talk about. A lot more questions to come. Some of the things I want to talk about is um, some of the injuries that you suffered, how you rehabbed from some of those. And then I want to talk about how you worked out. What specifically did you used to do? Because you must have had a plan. You said you winged the whole mascot thing. But I want to know if you had a plan specifically for how to work out. And then I want to find out what you're doing today because you're jacked. No. You're Probably. in great shape. I, I was in way better shape two years ago. <laughs> this well, is a hard. We'll talk about all that stuff and a little bit more. We'd, we'd all like to know what happened to you and where, you're, where you've been. And we'll talk about that coming up. Um, you're listening to the Return to Real podcast with Neil Anderson. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do when a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything it was violent it was senseless and i will never understand it i will never accept it i'm amy donaldson and unfortunately we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives but what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt in a new podcast the letter we relive tragedy but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Neil Anderson. Welcome back to the podcast. We're here with John Abzi on the Return to Real Health, Real Honest Health and Fitness podcast. Good to have you, John. Like, funny stories. So we went to break. John's been entertaining us with stories. I wish I'd have gotten that Jerry Sloan story on, on, on recording. How about this? Tell me about your, the most scary stunt you ever did. So you told me about the ones that just about killed you and the, and the cheerleader. Dancer. The, the the stunts that scared me were the stunts that I had no control over. If like when I did the handstand on the ladder, it was me. I was in control of me. I, I can control okay, let's, my body. Let's talk about that. So the ladder for those that have never seen that stunt, that must be a two story ladder. 
Uh, 23 feet. 23 feet la- ladder. You would climb up there in, in full regalia. So you had a... a, a oh, I like a, that word. Regalia. regalia. I'm, I'm writing that one down. Hold on, fully right. regaled. And he would climb up the ladder in, in all of that stuff. You'd sometimes have a flag and sit up there and wave that thing. Or sometimes... I, I watched you one time do a handstand up there. A freaking handstand. 23 feet in the air. And the crowd went crazy. And so you're saying those are the ones that were... No, those scary. are the easy ones. The it's It's really weird. But... The, the hard ones were the ones that other people were involved in or something that I couldn't control. And the, and the one was, uh, I rode a bull for the Days of 47. And it was a, an actual bull. An actual you went bull. to the Days of 47 Seven. rodeo up in Ogden. Nope, down here, back when it was in the arena. Okay. And I remember uh, they asked me to do it, and, and I said I'd do it like an idiot because, you know, Eric can do anything. <laughs> That's amazing. So I sat there and- You know and, they'll kill you. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's a forum so kid. Do, you, do know. you know Rob Smits? Do you remember that name? No. He was a professional rodeo clown. Oh. Like world, like legend. Yes, legend. of course. Of course. I love him. He yeah. was amazing. So I get there and, and it was the first time that I actually felt like, 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 uh, how do you explain it? Like, like a uh, strangle, like fear, like this fear that crippling, like a crippling fear. Like I, I was like- because all I kept hearing, because Rob came and talked to me and he said, listen, uh, uh, these bulls have never seen anything like you come off their back. Oh, right. You look like a predator. Yep. Oh, no. And he goes, so I don't know what it's going to do. And he goes, so all I'm saying, he goes, oh, I don't care no. how you land. He goes, but you be running. Get on your feet. And he goes, just run. He goes, I'm going to try to make sure I can head him off. He goes, but I will not be able to. He's going to be focused on you and he's going to go for you. And he goes, just run. I can't even imagine how hard that thing would have bucked. Oh, but it's, it's, <laughs> there's so much more. <laughs> so, so no, so we're sitting there and all day long, I'm looking at these bulls and I didn't realize how big they were until I went down to the pens and I'm like, literally eye level to this, the back of this thing was and bigger than me. Full of muscle. muscle. They're massive and they're so athletic. It, it's amazing. And you say it's so good. I love the way you're like, yeah, they're muscle. You, they, you, they, listen, <laughs> I'm a farmer's kid. I know we, we were Northern Utah cow ranchers. I, That's I awesome. You get, I have, we had two bulls one time go at it back and forth and back and forth. They knocked over a cowboy on his horse and then they went and hit one of those big six by six, um, railroad ties, splinters. Wow, I mean splinters, and you think that a truck wouldn't? A truck would have caved in around it, and these bulls just made that thing splinters. So you should be scared of those things. No, well, see, but you got to see it. I, we didn't have steers up on our farm. We were we just grew wheat and stuff like okay. that. We had cows. We yeah. milked and stuff. But I, I wish I would have had the experience with the steer because yeah. then I would have said no. <laughs> yeah, those guys aren't right. The guys that ride those aren't right. And by the way, they're amazing. Now you're one of them. So. No, no, I'm not one of them. I, listen, those guys are my, I will, they're amazing yeah, guys yeah. and talent. And I don't yeah, care what anybody says, they the most fearless people ever. I was scared. So um, I remember I, I get there, Rob is telling me to run. I get out there and it's time to go. And I was in suit. So, you know, all of a sudden, the thing that was cool is when I got in suit and I was about to do something, a lot of fear went away. Like all of a sudden I was yeah. like in this zone. It was like this focus. And I remember I got up on the bull and I, and all I kept thinking about was like, I can't believe how wide this thing is. My <laughs> legs were spread this so thing wide. Is huge. And then, you know, you remember how like you'd see the cows and stuff, they would twitch their, mm-hmm. and their yeah. skin would move and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was just twitching like that. So they, well, get, they wouldn't do it as much for a cowboy, but if you looked like a bear up on top of them, that's one of the ways they get things off of them. Yeah. And, and so maybe that's why he was doing it. Cause that's I couldn't why. understand it because he was just, brr, brr, and it was twitching. Yeah. And then I remember they were, they were locking my hand in and they were discussing whether or not they were going to do some split suicide suit. grip. Yeah. is what They call that. And, and you go around the back of your hand and hold it with your pinkies. Rob was there and he's like, no, no. no. <laughs> and I'm like, cause I don't know what's going on. So we're sitting there and I wasn't ready, but the cow leaned over to the right and pinned my right leg against the, the gate. Yeah. Now you're stuck. And then I remember them kicking him, and this guy looked at me and he goes, are you okay? And I, and I nodded my Don't head, nod your head and Rob Smith yanks the door <laughs> and I'm like, Whoa. And this thing, it was so like when you go ride a professional or a bull at a, at a bar, yeah. it rocks, yeah. you know? And I thought, well, this is probably how it is. When that thing opened up, it, it lunges. And the next thing I know I was on its butt and then I had to pull myself back in and I was on its butt because it's, it's more of a lunging motion that you got up and you got to pull in and, and it hold. moves in 3d. I've ridden them. I know they move oh, in know. 3d back, forth, side to side, round in circles. It's, it's in 3d. It's the most complicated thing you can well, do. My hat's off to you, Mr. Neil. Well, you're already that. two <laughs> leaps in. That's two more leaps no, than I ever rode. No. But it's, it, it, uh, it got me off, but I remember I came off 
And I remember hitting the ground and just running. I, it was so funny because I remember I hit the <laughs> like ground Scooby-Doo and I was runner. running and I jumped up on the bars and then it was that aha moment. I went, I get it. You know, like I got it. So yeah. then I ended up doing it at the state fair a couple yeah, times. Yeah, I was going to say because yeah. that means you're going to do it again, right? So then, then I did it at the state fair and stuff. But yeah, you're not right. The uh, yeah, so it was it was that that's the scaredest I've ever been. Um, that's I mean the handstand and the sled and all that were were probably the easiest things. The, the hardest thing on the ladder was the one armed handstand. Um, the uh, the bike down the stairs was another one that scared me a little bit. Because you, biked, you biked down the stairs, I not a, on the Harley, like on, no, a, on a mountain bike. Mountain bike, and I'd come off a ramp at That's the bottom. Sketchy. But there was such a little amount of room. I mean, it had no room for air. Right. And I, I was more worried about what happens if I wreck and the bike goes into the crowd. Right. I mean, I don't care about myself. I mean, I've you know jacking myself That's up all heel. I can handle that. Us. I did it to myself. I never wanted to hurt a fan or yeah. anything. Um, I'm just trying to think. Yeah, that was about the scariest. I mean, the, the bull was the scariest. The easiest stunt I did would probably be the sled. I mean, no, just, really? Yeah. I hate to say it because I could steer it. I got so good at it. Like, <laughs> I could literally steer it because I could feel myself going into the stairs. And I don't know if you ever watch, you could see me like I'd suck yeah, myself in a little bit. Like it was doing anything. And I would lean, and but my sled would just skip off the stairs. The only time uh, that I, I wrecked is when I hit the bottom because where the miller sat, the chairs scooted out a little bit. Yeah. And I would hit those, and and uh, I remember before we knew <laughs> that to move people. I remember I hit those one time, and everybody sitting there got blowing up out of their chair, and their drinks were all over, and their popcorn. St- they got, they caught that on video. I've seen that. <laughs> oh, really? That, yeah, yeah. They've, I've seen that that explosion. So I think it was there for that day, as a matter of fact. But then after that, now we move everybody in. Next time you're in Vivint Smart Home Arena, still hard for me to say that. Yep. Go walking down those stairs and think about what it would take to sled these. I do it all the time. I'm like, would I do that? No way, because look at this obstacle, and look at this obstacle, and look at the pole between the handrail. No way, I'd hit those for sure. It, you know, there, there was a, a little funny story. So Greg Oshertay was a, uh, he, he's a great guy, and and. and um, he was a little picked on. He was way here. picked on. But his his wife Heidi one time was giving me crap about going down the stairs on a bike because she mountain biked a lot. Yeah, and she's like, I could do it. I said, Great, come do it one time. So we went to the arena, and it was before a game. And she got up on the stairs, and I put her about halfway, and set the bike there, and I was holding it for her, and it was it was awesome. I mean, and I guess this was because like literally, I meant it as like, Oh, come do it. Like this will be fun. Yeah. And she mountain biked a lot, and she couldn't do it. She sat there for literally 45 minutes and she'd get off and she'd get back on. I'm going to do it. And she couldn't do it. Yep. It's when you're on the bike, it feels like you're going to go over the front end the whole time. And then, I don't know. And then, and then put a heavy suit on. Unbelievable. I don't know. It was, you know what though? I mean, being able to do that stuff and, uh, you know, be able to walk away with only, you know, the fewest in, or the few injuries that I got. So it wasn't that few. You got quite a few injuries. I read online. I, I, I jumped into a Tribune, a Salt Lake Trib um, article that was talking about seventeen ligament tears, um, that's old. seven surgeries. It's old. old. Is that so? This you you got way more. Yeah. No. I, I, right now it's it's at ten surgeries, twenty seven torn ligaments, tendons, and muscles, and one hundred and fifty eight staples yeah. and stitches. So, because actually, we're calling that lucky. My right one. This is no lie. So on the ladder, when I was doing the one arm handstand. Because, and you know this, like, I, I was so focused. Like, when I would do the bike, so, uh, do you mind if I just sit and ramble? <laughs> do it. <laughs> so, we're all into this. One time I was sitting on the stairs, and I'm getting ready to go down on the bike, but I didn't focus yet. Like, my little, like, dark circle, like, my little circle didn't come. Does that make sense? No, but I kind of think you know, I understand. Like, you know how, like, you feel like if you're going to pass out and it shrinks? Does that make sense? <laughs> That's how it felt. If anybody nods at that, they're crazy as you are. So, but I was sitting there, and my assistant at the time, Luke Larson, who was amazing and lives in Bend, Oregon, and he was a great guy, um, he was like, come on, you got to go. And I'm like, I haven't focused yet. I, I It hasn't shrunk. And I'm sitting there waiting, and then all of a sudden, it was no lie. Like, they were about ready to just pick everything up because I didn't, I couldn't, that focus moment didn't happen. And all of a sudden it happened. And then I went and went down, hit the ramp. And, and he's, you know, he talked to me afterwards and I was just like, I just, I didn't focus yet. And then it did. And the same thing happened with like the ladder. I was up on the ladder and when I'm up in the handstand, all I hear is my breathing, you know, really? and I'm focusing on the, la- on the like platform. And when I was kicking over to my right arm, trying to find my balance point and my legs are coming off to the side, um, I, I was so focused. I didn't realize how much 
uh, leverage I was putting on my shoulder and I snapped a ligament in my shoulder. And, and, but I didn't feel it. I just felt the pop. Boom. And then I fell and I grabbed myself with my left arm and I came down with my right arm in a, you know, holding it. And, but it, it, I didn't feel it because I was so focused. So, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think so. Um, <clears throat> I'm trying to think of, you know, some more moments like that. Like what, uh, what'd you do to the shoulder? Tore the ligament. Which one? The, Rotator cuff? They, they said it's called the 18 year old ligament. Does that make sense? No. Our team doc said that it, it basically goes, it, you'll be fine. You don't need surgery with it. He goes, unless you put your arm up like this and we lever it back, it'll pop out again. Oh, I mean, it'll just okay. pop out as long as I'm not in this position <laughs> and my arm levers back. Which, by the way, you were going to get into yeah. sooner or later. Sooner or later. No, but it's so, I mean. Do you have to, you have, to have that fixed surgery? No. Not, he, they said I don't need to. Ten surgeries. What, what were they? Um, both my ankles, my knee, hernia, back, two shoulder surgeries. Um my wrist surgery and uh, where am I at? Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> so, and then with the, the ligaments, like, I mean, I'm just, I just got torn. Like if you can see my pinky. Yeah. I was going to ask you, what is wrong yeah. with that? It, it got wedged between the stairs when I was tumbling. I used to fall down the stairs mm-hmm. and it pried it back and I popped it back in and then they put a cast on it to try and get that ligament to grow back, but it didn't work. I can't even describe that. That just looks it's, weird. It's uh, it's bulbous. <laughs> bulbous and it bends the wrong way yeah, and so on one of the one. joints and bends the other way on this the other one joint. pops out all the time don't too. do that I, eh. but it, that's awesome it's, i could do a little barnum and bailey like little freak show off to the side all all stuff that happened on the job yep all of it i miss you everybody misses you i miss you too neil no i'm not kidding you when i'm go, when i go to the games i miss you what happened where, With, where, where'd you go where'd i go yeah well, how, <laughs> why, why aren't you with us anymore why aren't you the jazz bear anymore well, you, can, you can tell me it's none of my business, but no, I have, to, I have you know, to ask. Everybody's wondering. I was coming to the to the point anyway where I, my body was pretty beat up. And you were 50. I was 50, and my, my ankles hurt. I'd have to go up the stairs sideways. Um, and I, I don't know. You know, I was just, I was really beat up. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I just thought there would be a... I'd go out on my own terms a little bit. I kind of thought you would too. And I think that's what everybody's upset about. Everybody that I talk to is like, we wanted to retire him. We wanted to put him out with thunderous applause. And then we didn't get that chance. No, that, that went fun. <laughs> but, and I appreciate that. No, I was just told that they wanted to go a different direction. Hmm. That was literally all I was told. So, and then, you know, and like they say, um, that, uh, you know, it's everybody's one management change away from being let go. Okay. So, I mean, it, 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 uh, there's a lot out there. I mean, you know, it, it, uh, I miss it and I miss the fans, but you know, I, I honestly, there's a part of me that enjoys being home on the weekends and, you know, my whole career was spent, uh, going to birthday parties or not birthday parties, but like 24 events years. and doing games and, and my evenings were always shot and my time with my family was, was really minuscule. I mean, I sacrificed, you know, for 25 years, my body, my family for this job thinking this is success, you know, like, look, yeah. and I've created this character, but what I've really come to re- understand now is that, you know, my success is watching my children grow and, and yeah. watching them grow up into responsible adults, you know, so that how many have you got three? Three kids. Three great girls, uh, two of them in college, one of them graduating high school this year. Um, but that is what I realized is success. You know, a lot of people put success as money or their jobs or, you know, things that don't matter in a sense, you know, because I just found out that job ain't going to be there when I die and it kicked me to the curb. So I'm, it, it wasn't there. I, so my family will be there. And the biggest thing that I, I have to emphasize is that the relationships are so important to me and all those relationships that I had with the security in the arena and the people at the arena and everybody outside the team that I, I got to know over those 25 years, like yourself, you know, yeah. and K- Kenny over there. I mean, th- that is what the, is the most important to me is knowing that, you know, um, me being me, can still have those relationships because it's hard a little bit because, you know, when I was let go, I, I had that fear that, you know, people only like me because I was the bear. Does that make sense? Yeah, I guess so. And that can't be true. Like none of us think that. Well, God bless you. Thanks. You know, but like nobody believes that you are the bear. We all know there's a John under there, except you were so freaking well, secretive. But. The thing that's crazy though is, 
is, you know, cause when it, when it happened, I had friends cause I never told my friends and I had a number of friends I've known for years and they'd call me up and they're like, USOB, like what do you, yeah. <laughs> you, you were this you for how many years? It, you yeah. said you were game ops. And I was like, yeah, I did in a sense, but, um, no, That's so funny. that is the most important thing that I can take away is the relationships, the memories, um, and just the family, uh, feel that, you know, when I first started, you know, with Grant Harrison and those guys and Randy Rigby and Tim Howells and Frank Layton. It's a sweet group of people and they're, they're highly intentional. They matter, mean it. You know, they want to do the right thing. They, they want to win. They want to yep. help. It's cool. It was a team effort. Yeah. And I mean, to this day, you know, Frank Layton, we, once a year we, or six months, whatever, he gets everybody that was there that was from the old school and, and we go to dinner. Yeah, and awesome. it's awesome. So I mean, I miss. I, I love that. I love that about, um, you know, the old jazzes, th- those relationships. But you're happy now. I'm, I'm loving life. Yeah. it's it's honestly, it's, it, you know, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I struggled because, you know, trying to find those answers, you know, about you know, why am I here now, you yeah. know, and and now and, what do I do? And now what do I do? And this is where 25 years got me. So, um, now I'm I'm. I'm just really happy because I'm still able to do all the charity work that I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and I can actually do it as me now, which makes it that much more fun because before I would show up as bear and I would do my thing and I'd have to leave, but now I can actually get to know the kids, you know, yeah. I mean, before I got to know the kids, but not on a personal level. Right. Just it wasn't as you, the, it was the yeah. bear. They, they're young enough to think it was the bear. The bear. Tell and, us about your charity. Cause I've, I've been looking at it online and let's give it a little, little promotion. Here. So, oh, oh, God bless you. So <laughs> we no. Uh, so 25 years ago, uh, I have the best group of friends that, you know, Brenda Hoskins, Eldon Farnsworth, Andy Chud, you know, the Hasegawas. That, do you guys remember Roxanne Hasegawa? Is that name ring a bell? She was amazing. And, and I know she passed a while ago, but she was a big part of it. And then her sister and brother have helped out, Corey and Stace. Um, yeah, Jonna. Um, but we all get together and we started this Fireman and Friends for Kids. And that's where, when we would go out and, and raise money, that's where it would go and we would take kids Christmas shopping. And every year for 25 years, we've taken roughly five, 600 kids Christmas shopping. And you they, do that as the bear sometimes. Always as what the bear. A thrill. It was always as the bear. What but this was the first two years that I did it as me. And I got to, it was such a an eye-opening experience because I've never been able to go in and talk to people and meet people. And, and it was so fun. I, I'm just, I'm really enjoying this part of it just to be me. And yeah. be able to go out and continue what I did as the bear. Cause we, you know, we still do the mascot bowl yeah, and we still do the, you know, the golf tournament and it's, and now I was able to help out with like mascot miracles and best seat in the house and for the kids. And, and right now I'm, I'm working on a charity and it's called uh, working for working for charities. And we, we actually do a, a, a podcast. It's more of a, it's a TV show. It's going to be a TV show, but where we interview a different charity every week. Outstanding. And because what I've realized is for those 25 years, you have all these charities and um, they come and they, they don't know enough about it. They start out and they just don't know enough about it. And then they end up fading out and going away in two or three years. The other thing is there's so many great small charities in this valley, but nobody knows about them. And the other thing that I wish people would understand is that, you know, when you give a hundred dollars to a charity or, you know, is not all hundred dollars goes to that charity. And if you look there, there's uh, I think it's called charity navigator or something like that. Yeah, you, you can, can get look on and look, online. but the one thing that I really want to, I'm trying to push is with the smaller charities that we're bringing on is that, you know, between 98 and 99 cents a year dollar is going to that charity. And some of them is a hundred percent, but I mean, that's great. Cause when you look at some of the bigger charities, you're literally talking 60 cents or less. It's yeah. A whole lot less. And that's what I really want to do is I want to make, make it a little bit, um, more uh, transparent, and people can see exactly what the dollars. See, are. that's I'm glad. Thank you for covering me because I was going. Blind. You were I was going, going there. You were right getting there. there. So I, I really want to uh, get people to uh, donate to the local or to the local smaller charities. And then what I'm really trying to do is uh, we have a networking event February 3rd over at the Make a Wish House, and what I'm trying to do is bring all the charities together because. I found out, so back when I first started mascotting, I got together with the gorilla and 
um, the Hornet back then, you know, Mike Zerillo and, and uh, the Atlanta Hawks mascot and Rocky from Denver. And we tried to share ideas, but everyone was so protective and nobody wanted to give up their information. And in my head, I was like, why are we doing this? Why are we competing? Why not work together, share ideas? Because what I do in Utah, nobody's going to know you did it in Phoenix. And what you did there, nobody's going to know you did it first. But, you know, so I started this conference and it was, uh, it's called the mascot conference and it started out small, but now it's, it's growing And the, actually the, the coolest thing I think is that the rest of the leagues have copied it and are starting to do their own conference as well. So I thought, well, if that worked there, why wouldn't it work for charities? So what I want to do is I'm trying to bring all these charities together to network. And then what I want them to do is just be able to share information. And because you have these smaller charities and like I just said, with my firemen and friends, there's roughly you know, the, the core is four or five people. But now if, if all of a sudden I'm working with 10 other charities, now I got a hundred people, you know, and, and people are power when it comes to a charity. Yes. So it, more eyeballs equal more dollars, yes. not less, not and, fewer. And even, you know, just the manpower, because there's so many things when it, when you put on a charity event um, that you need, and it's just manpower, you yeah. know? So I, I just want to try and get everybody to understand that, you know, charity's charity. Just, I understand you might be a, you know, into for the diabetes, you know, yeah. and, and a lot of people are like, I support diabetes. Well, there's a lot of need out there. And, and mm-hmm. I understand great work for your, your diabetes, but there's also other chances for you to give back. And that's what I try to do. And that's where the working for charities, firemen and friends for kids is we don't have a specific group of people that we help. We help anybody, you know, and everybody. Name so, that podcast and television show. Can you working for charities, working for charities is the name of the podcast. Okay. Yep. That's, that'd be good to go check that out if you're listening go check out working for charities yeah let's, go, let's switch gears okay shifting one of the things that <laughs> i promise everybody on this show is i'm going to bring people that are fascinating in the health and fitness world and or people that are physically fascinating you're physically fascinating you are too Neil. <laughs> the way we're looking at each other right now this is weird. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, two questions number one how did you train when you were bare like, what was the regimen? Did you have one? Were you winging it? Tell me about that. You, you know, I was really fortunate, Neil. I I never had to watch what I ate because that suit, because I was in it so much. I mean, I was doing 300 appearances a year. How many suits do you have? Nine. Okay. <clears throat> because we'd, we'd, I was constantly in them, and I never wore them more than once. Remember, we went back to the whole college mascot stink yeah. costume thing? Yeah. I hated stinking. So... Um, because the worst, the worst feeling is if you go over and you sit on somebody's lap and they do a photo when you walk away and they go, Oh my heck, he stinks. You don't want that. that. So I I would always just doubt, I would put double the downy in my, in my washing machine and then wash my stuff. Just wash it. It didn't take special. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we'd wash it and then we just couldn't dry it. But, um, yeah, I mean, so that, what, were, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> I was just asking how many there were. Oh, but no, I was asking yeah. how you worked out, and you said you didn't need to go do any diet. You didn't, you didn't really take care of your nutrition in any special way because you were, it, it sounds like you were about to say you were burning, sweating it off. Yeah, I was constantly sweating it off. I mean, once season hit, I would end up, you know, losing a lot of weight. I'll give you a great example. And I did this back in the finals. And because I, I was working so hard during those games, and I remember I took a stack of shirts and I weighed them. And then I wore them because I would go in, I would go out, I'd work, I'd come in, take off a shirt, throw it on the floor, put on a new dry shirt so I wouldn't sweat through the suit. Okay. And at the end of the night, I weighed them and it was a little over nine pounds. No way. Yep. And I remember just going, holy cow. And then, um, yeah, I mean, so, and then when I got older, I remember I started getting, I got into this anxiety problem where my heart rate for some reason would just skyrocket. And I remember I wore a chest. Let me tell you why. Because you're jumping off of things that are 200 feet. No, no. (laughs) No, it was literally, it was really weird. And and if you can tell me how to fix this, I would love you. So I remember coming off the floor one time and I just felt like dizzy and it was really weird. And I was like, what is going on? And I couldn't breathe. I felt claustrophobic. And then I went in and then I, you know, they did a heart thing and then all this other stuff. And they were just like, oh, you know, you got sports induced asthma. And when you were a kid and you heard sports induced asthma, I know what I thought. I was just like, he just, he's just heavy and doesn't want to work out. That's right. He's, <laughs> so he's, I remember just going, come on, Dr. Jacks, while the rest of us Exactly. And I told the doc straight up, I'm like, so you're saying I'm a wussy. <laughs> and he goes, no, it's real. And I said, no, it's not. And I go, come on. So 
I still don't know why it happens, but I had a heart monitor on, you know, uh, the strap that goes around your chest and then the wristwatch and it would monitor my heart rate because I had to see I'm like, because there was another time where I literally was out on the floor and I'm running around, I'm lifting signs and I'm coming off and everything started. And this wasn't a focus moment. This was, I'm going to pass yeah. out. And I remember in my head, just going, just make it to the corner, just make it to the corner. And before I got there, my legs were given out. And then all of a sudden whoosh, it came back. Thank heavens. But I remember I, I, that's when I started wearing the strap and Do you I remember what that number would get up to 223. No that was way. the highest. Yep. Okay. That's, was that toward the end of your career? It yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, you start at 220. So 223 was the highest it got, but then, and I didn't know why. So then they put me on beta blockers thinking yeah. it would lower my heart rate and it'd still blow 200 out of the water. It was Oof. crazy. So anyway. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't have to eat too much. How would you train? So we, we, we'll, we'll just short track this training then versus training now different. Um, I, I've really like see because I've never really dieted because I don't like dieting. And then if it, if I can't do it forever, I don't want to do it. You know, so yeah. really all I do is I watch my portions. Yeah. Um. Me too. I, I, yeah. So I eat half, and I usually I'll split a meal. I'll try and do that because once I eat, I feel full. I don't have to stuff myself. And I had to get over that a long time ago because when I was working as a bear, I, I, I could eat a lot and not have to worry. But now that I'm not, I just eat half of what I I need to eat, and then um. I basically, you know, I, I try not to drink pop, um, and I do try to watch sweets and sugars, but I fail a lot of times. Me too. But, but when I work out, I, I worked out different. A lot of people, they go in the gym, they jump on the bench or whatever, and they, they pop out 10, they take a minute, rest, and then they pop out another 10. Where I always did circuits, I always do circuits. I'll set up four or five different exercises, and I roll through them, because my ankles and knees are so bad, I can't run. And even doing elliptical kind of hurts them. So the only way I can get my heart rate up is to go from exercise to exercise to exercise. And then when that really wasn't working, I got one of those uh, breathing masks. And really? people would always look at me funny. Altitude masks? Yes, an altitude yeah. mask. And I would work out with that and get myself to the anxiety point where my heart, because, you know, I'd make it so that it was just, I think I the setting I had it at was like 16,000 feet, something like that. So it was really hard to breathe. Yeah. But that's the only way I could train, you know, yeah. because when I'm in the head, I wasn't getting any like fresh oxygen. Right. You know, it was, I'm just recycling my CO2. Question. I've always wondered, how does he breathe in there? Everybody wonders that, it's especially hard. with as much activity as you're doing. You stumbled on to the thing that um, everybody, every good trainer does. That's how they do it. Body part to body part or movement now to movement because we don't do body parts as much anymore. Movement to movement in rapid succession. Yep. We jack the heart rate up while we're being anaerobic. I remember back the first time I did that, um, this guy with an exercise physiology degree, master's degree, comes charging out at the gym at me. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> this is, th But it works and I'm getting cardiovascular fit. He goes, no, no, you're burning muscle. You're burning muscle. You can't do this at high heart rate. I'm like, I don't think you're right about that. Of course, I've just got a little tiny bachelor's degree in exercise science, but I'm like, I, I, I don't think you're right about that. He's like, we're right about that. You need to stop doing this. And by the way, didn't you know your heart's a muscle? I'm like, oh, come on. Are you accusing me of killing people? Knock it off. We're just getting fit in here. And I love it because guys like you and me started doing stuff like this years ago. And yep. why? Because it works. Yeah, I mean, look at you. I mean, it's, it's amazing. I, I'll get there someday. I, I honestly, you know, and I tell this to people, um, is that the, the key to exercising and the key to, to being healthy is just moving. And a lot of people just, they, they get, you know, they go to the gym, they, they do their hour and then for the rest of the day, they're just sitting on their butts, you know, and they're eating. <clears throat> if they went to the gym. If they went to the gym, you know, the other thing though, is your flexibility. And I, I, I hope you agree with this is like, um, there's so many people that talk to me and they're like, Oh, I'm sore. Or I'm this. I'm like, you know what? Do you stretch? And they're like, no. And I said, you need to stretch. Um, I used to go to nursing homes and visit all the elderly people. And I remember seeing people in there in their sixties in wheelchairs, you know, just, and I was like, what is going on? And it's because they stopped moving and I tell all my friends, I go, stretch. I go, if, if you want to stretch, and this is what I did when I blew my knee out, they, they used my hamstring and this was my good split leg. And I was like, oh my heck, I'm yeah. never going to get my splits back, you know, because they just shortened my hamstring. Yeah. And all I did is when I would watch TV, I'd sit on the floor and during the commercials, I'd stretch mm -hmm. every night. And I got, now my splits are back. 
So I, and it's pretty cool, you know, I'm 52 still to be able to just drop down to the splits. It's kind of nice. Oh, I'd love to ask you a bunch more questions. I want to thank you for coming. Thanks for oh, coming and having Thank you for having me. Thanks for having, uh, for coming in here and talking to us about this stuff. It was a pleasure having you. No, Neil, thank you so much. It's so good to see you again. And, and I know, uh, all the dancers and Jan and those guys, they loved you and we loved you. And I loved hearing the stories about how sore they were when, <laughs> when they worked out with you. It was awesome. <laughs> we, we heard those poor girls. Just nice to see you. No, nice, nice to see nice you too. You. You've been listening you. to the Return to Real podcast right here with uh, Neil Anderson. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.